Please remember, the information in our podcast could be a trigger for some people. And if you or someone you know has been affected by sexual abuse, the Dublin Rape Crisis Centre 24-hour helpline is 1-800-77-8888. Hello, I'm Joyce. I'm June. And I'm Paula. We're the Cavanagh Sisters and we'd like to welcome you to our series of Count Me In podcasts where we continue to shine a light on childhood sexual abuse and its impacts. In today's podcast we're going to look at secondary victims and there are many. Secondary victims are anybody that are impacted by the crime. I think it's underestimated how many secondary victims there are. Say, for example, a young girl is abused in a home. Now, you think that this crime has occurred, has happened to her, but everybody in that household now is affected by that crime. And if it turns out, which it often does, that it's a family member who's committed the crime, well, now you've got so much stigma and pain dispersed throughout the entire family. The parents are devastated, the shame of it. How could they have allowed it to happen? Why didn't they stop it? Should they kill the person that did it? You know, leave it in the hands of the law. The, the reputation for the legal system handling these things is not good. Um, how are they going to be perceived by the community? Are they going to be judged, ostracised? And each one of the family holds a piece of that story and depending on where they fit in the family and who it was that abused. That's what makes this so difficult for each family member to hold on to. And then it's dispersed out into the community. There is judgment. People do make assumptions on how it happened and who allowed it to happen and why it could have happened. And yet they really don't, they're not comfortable with the details of it. The victim's behaviour as a result of this crime alters, which is, again, only right. In response to their change in behaviour, the family members change. You know, if that person that's been abused has children, the relationship with the children has changed. Yeah, often they wouldn't realise they've been impacted. They feel this happened to my sister, say, so it has nothing to do with me. They don't understand that they've been impacted. You know, it wouldn't dawn them to go and get support, not that there is any. Yes, but they they don't even know who to turn to to express the feelings they might have in relation to it because they feel they're not the victim. It is usually somebody known to the family within the family home. We were all victims of sexual abuse. My family are victims of sexual abuse. They all were impacted by it. My husband, my partner, everyone that knew me closely was really affected by it. They didn't realise it, and I didn't at the time. I really didn't care. I thought this was all about me. Like, But, like, God loved them. They had nowhere to go with this stuff. They didn't know what to say, how to feel, who to say it to. They had nowhere. They felt their job was to be strong for me. My kids felt they had to be strong for Mammy. My husband thought he had to be strong for me. It's just everybody, and you think, like, well, at least they weren't raped, but they may as well have been with the damage that took on them. Like, I, I remember especially going through council, where I'd be going through the house on a daily basis, and I'd be doing normal things, putting out dinner, cooking dinner, cleaning up, whatever. And in the midst of all that, I'm sobbing my heart out. 
and they felt, my children felt their job was to fix me and make things okay. And children's natural thing is to take responsibility for something that's going on. And I had to constantly stop and say, listen, Mammy's going through a bit of a mess at the moment. I'm having bad memories. I'm upset, but I'm fine. You know, once these, all these things are coming out, it's fine. So they got so used to it, they used to think, ah, she's grand, leave her alone, you know what I mean? But I know my own children suffer terrible because they liked Dad. They loved him. Yeah, because he was so good with them. He was very artistic. He taught them how to do all their art and, and they loved it and they were brilliant at it. But then when they found out, they felt, oh Jesus, I feel really guilty. I shouldn't have liked him. Thank God. We were able to have a conversation about that, but had we not, where would they be? But even with having the conversation, the damage of that knowledge in them has gone out now and have impacted their relationships. Yeah. If they have an intimate relationship with somebody, it has to, it's now part of their baggage. Yeah. I remember saying to my husband, like, your life has altered completely because I was sexually abused. And he, I didn't even know him when I was abused. And I, I just feel like our intimate life absolutely has been changed because of my experience. And I feel at times it's so unfair. Yeah. Everybody that has to pay the cost of that crime that happened to me. Like the way I parent. You know, I'd love to think I didn't do too bad a job. But it has to have been impacted by my pain, by my feelings. I mean, I suffered depression and still do throughout my life. That's had an impact. That has now formed their opinion of what a woman is. Like, it's impacted their lives in ways we'll never know. By people not understanding how victims are impacted and how that then plays out in their life. It is like that ripple effect, you know, yeah. in a, you throw a stone in. Because the changes that occurred in me has to have an impact. People have to respond to those changes. Yeah. And it has an, a ripple effect on all of them and their relationships. And the message we were trying to get across, probably not very well, was the fact that those ripples go out into society and there's a lot of those ripples. You look at the numbers yeah. of victims there are, that ultimately this crime is having a huge impact on the way we behave in our communities, out in society, and the fact that so many victims never deal with this and that a lot of people that are in uh, well-to-do positions, in like pillars of society, are also victims because this crime crosses all barriers, race, sex, socioeconomic background, the whole lot. So there are people running this country who have abuse in their background. And if they haven't, they're being impacted by somebody that has. It's in everybody's interest to understand how this crime impacts and changes people because you're one of those people that it's changing. One person absolutely touches so many other people's lives without anybody ever realising that if they're carrying that level of pain with them, they're actually bringing that with them. Me, as a victim of abuse, I'm, I'm likely to attract somebody who's in the same level of pain, even though they might have had a very different background than me. That alone, if you bring two people with pain together, that has to impact everybody around them. And yeah. you are picking it up whether you want to or not. Yeah, and it gets a lot more dangerous when those people are running the country. You know what I mean? Are in a position of power to make decisions to alter our lives. It's more, it's more significant than just uh, this docile interaction with 
possible other victims. If you only look at homelessness and the amount of kids who are now living in hotels in one room with parents and all that, I don't believe if you had a conscience and you didn't have some ability to disconnect from the reality of life that you could not be dealing with those issues. And in order to be disconnected from that, you have to have a reason that you've disconnected. So I do believe that a lot of people in positions of power have had some trauma or abuse in their backgrounds. Yeah, and I suppose if you look at just one impact out of sexual abuse, something that we all know to be true is the self-hatred that grows wrongly out of being sexually abused. And if that level of self-hatred, and we've talked about how difficult it was to challenge that and to, to identify it and then try and heal and overcome from it, how traumatic and huge and how long that has taken us and if that's out there in our world, which it is, that level of self-hatred, no matter what mask is put on it by society, by people, uh, that's horrendous to think, like, my God, if that's what's driving the driving force behind a lot of people, you know, we, we have a lot of work to do. Well, on a personal level, I would say, like, I lost a relationship because of this. More than one. Yeah, true. Basically because I didn't actually fully understand what I was going through when this was all disclosed and I was getting help. I didn't actually understand what was happening to me. I found it impossible to communicate my needs. Everything my partner did just triggered me back to memories of the past. I was unable to separate the past from the present. And he, naturally enough, took everything personal. Especially rejection, I was saying to him, you know, I can't, I just couldn't have sex, no way. And he took that as personal, like he did nothing wrong. But I think like we, men and women are different. Men think if the sex part of the relationship is working, well, everything's okay. Yeah. The rest is doable. Yeah. And by, by removing that from them, they're threatened. They don't know where they are, they think they're losing you. And so they're paying a huge emotional cost for this. That they are completely innocent, they've done nothing wrong for. It's actually not a gender issue. It's an intimacy. It's if you're if you say to somebody, like, yeah, no, I do love you and I want to be with you, but everything about you is telling them to stay away from you and don't touch me and I don't want to get that close to you. That message is is so damaging. This is how secondary victims work, because any hurt I inflict on somebody, they then go and inflict it on other people because they don't know, they're not any more aware than I am. And the only time that stops is when you become aware and you're at least able to address it and go, hold on, this is not about you. This is an issue I'm dealing with. And it is normally down to a lack of communication. Absolutely, because if you could communicate, and I, like I couldn't express what was going on because I didn't understand it. No, but you see, when he got frustrated, where did he go with that information? He couldn't talk to me. So how do you live like that? and not impact people. And so, like if the two parents are unhappy or struggling in any way, then the children do suffer. Yeah. I think men in general are better at dissociating than women. I think they're able to dissociate the thing right out at the ballpark, like, you know, it just doesn't exist. That's quite dangerous because it allows them to live out a whole life and never, ever, never address it. But that doesn't make it go away. That's all part of the programming as well. Yes. You know, men. Men, big boys don't cry and all yeah. that crap. Because I often felt um, 
you know, men in particular for some reason or to take on the guilt because they see it as something another man did and they find it difficult to understand. Yes. And they take on the guilt that they should have protected you, even though they weren't even around it. Yeah, time. yeah. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to make sense, but a lot of men feel like that and then they feel frustrated because they want revenge and that's not possible. Oh, yeah. See, I think it feeds into disadvantage and everything because if you have no self-confidence, I know myself, I felt... I would have never gone for a job interview or anything like that. I thought so little of myself. Now, I'm not going to sit here and blame everything that ever happened in my life on this, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah I do feel to a huge degree it absolutely impacted every single thing in my life to date. Well, if yeah. the first thing it does is impact how you think and feel about yourself, then how wouldn't it impact every single thing yeah, you do in your life? I know, but sometimes probably when you disclose and you feel like you've been through a couple of years of therapy, you feel, you know, things should be different and you should be different. Really pissed off at yourself because your life is not changing. Now it is, but it's on such a low level, slow changes that you can't, they're not always visible. But it does, it feeds into disadvantage because, I mean, there are the exceptions that throw themselves into education and excel at that. And that's another form of dissociation. And whoop-de-doo, great for them. I would say, if you did a statistic on it, I would imagine the majority don't excel. No one is not impacted by this. Like, in our case, when this came out, it was very clear who was jumping the sinking ship. And that was the whole lot of them. Right, I think, now, in fairness to them, I think it would have been absolute fear. Yeah, and the fact that they were related to him. I can understand why they ran, and they ran because they wouldn't have had the ability to even have a conversation around it. Like, if you married married somebody in their family and this came out, your partner's family now have to deal with the shame of you being attached to our family. It's like guilty by association. Like, I mean, I know several people now that abuse has hit their family and how it has altered their entire lifestyle. They... They don't interact in society, in their communities the way they would have because they're not sure who's a friend and who's talking about them or how they're perceived because of the shame. There are expectations, unsaid expectations of them to disown a member of their own family because there's some suspicion around them. It just, it's a huge burden on every member of the family and each one of them have nowhere to turn with what they're feeling because they're not the victim. It isn't just the family because when, if there's a suspicion of somebody in the family, it divides the family because some people think it's not true, you should stand by them or whatever and other people think you should disown them. If you're lucky enough that you take a case and that he actually gets a sentence and he goes to jail, well that's him done. He's gone off to jail. He lives there for however long and then he's back out. In the meantime, all of the family are still living within the same community and especially a victim's way of their anonymity. So everybody knows the family, the immediate family that the abuse occurred in and then all their extended family and their neighbours and their relatives. My relationship with my husband, my relationship with my children, my relationship with yours and with any friends, uh, whatever job path I'm on, is impacted and shaped by my experience and then how I interact with people in that role. So like on my journey alone, I'm changed because of what happened to me. And because I'm changed, my 
interactions with people are changed. I closed myself off because like when I was emotional, my energy was completely drained. I couldn't function. But I know I wasn't emotionally available to my kids. And even now to be emotionally available, it's not that fucking easy. Like, yeah. you know, I have to really Work fucking out. zone in on it. And you know how I found out, I had a friend sitting here with a coffee and, you know, every time she came in, I'd give her a hug. I do that with anybody giving a hug. We sat down and had a cup of tea. And I said something, oh, no, I was really upset about it. You, she said, you don't get upset, she said. You're not an emotional person. And I said, like, fuck you. <laughs> but actually, she was Went right. In. Yeah, she was right. And I was like, God, I'm doing exactly what Mammy did. But I didn't realise how often that happened. But to unlearn that, it's extremely difficult. And I still haven't got that. When I'm with my kids and I have to enter into my body and it's not easy. But then I have to realise, Joyce, you can't fix this. Shut the fuck up. So that's how my kids have been impacted. And God knows how that impacts them. Do, have they, do they learn now? You come to me with all your problems? No issue. But she's not there for you. How my kids are being impacted by seeing me depressed. You seeing mammy behave in the way that you've emulated. That's what they do because we're their main role models. And so they either go the complete opposite way in rebellion. I'm not going to be like that, you know. Well, you see, June, I thought that's exactly oh, what yeah. I was yeah, We all do. What's the answer? Providing more supports and recognising that if there's a victim in a household, that whole household needs help. Like every person in that, in that house needs support, support yeah. and help to understand their partner, their children need to be brought in. Partner needs to know what to expect, what's coming down the line. And the children also have to be made aware. So as they don't take responsibility and get tangled up with personal responsibility for the condition their mother or father or both are in. Thanks for listening. Hopefully some of the information we have shared will resonate with you. This will give you a deeper understanding of yourself, plus allow you to move into a space where you can show compassion to yourself. Please know that no matter how you feel or how you reacted to the abuse, it was normal. We are hopeful and optimistic that those in any position of power to bring about change will be moved into action so we can finally eradicate childhood sexual abuse. So please spread the word and share the information. Thank you. The decision to heal from childhood sexual abuse places you on the most important journey of your life. You're in charge of this journey. Only you know what works for you and what doesn't. It takes as long as it takes because there's no rushing it and there's no faking it. You have to feel it. And just as the ripple of pain that you're in goes out and impacts all of those around you, so does the healing. And the more you heal, the more everyone around you benefits from your healing. You've been listening to the Kavanagh Sisters Count Me In podcast. You can contact us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram or directly at thecavanaghsisters at gmail.com. We would like to leave you with a quote that you can take with you throughout your day. We all need to change our mind about therapy. 
about our views on therapy and what it is and what it means. It's basically talking to another human being about your problems, sorting out your thoughts and your emotions. And there's not a person alive who couldn't do with that. Don't let fear stop you from getting the help that you need to feel better and move on with your life.